0: Hi, my name is Carly and welcome to Arise's Sermon of the Week. We hope that you experience God as you listen to this message and that you find practical ways to be the hands and feet of Jesus within your community. So, let's open up our spiritual ears as we listen to this message. So we are in our current series called It's the End of the World as We Know It, and today our communicator, the pastor that is bringing the word, is somebody that you are very, very familiar with, somebody that you know and love, but you are accustomed to seeing him behind the keyboard. Today, behind the pulpit is Pastor Jason Vega. Give it up, give it up! Wow, wow, God is good, amen? Yeah, all the time. Come on, if we're going to clap for somebody, let's clap for Jesus. Yeah. For he is so good. Yes, come on. Oh man, I'm excited to be here today. Thank you so much. I, and I just, I want to first, I want to welcome those who are watching online. Can we give them a, a, a shout out right now? We thank you for tuning in. Uh, for those of you that don't know me, I'm Jason. I get to be the worship pastor here and it's been a pleasure and an honor to be a worship pastor here, and I'm excited to share with you what God has put in my heart for today, but before I get there, I just want to take a moment and honor Pastor Brandon, and Pastor Ada. They are the, the best pastors, let's just face it, right? Like, I love them to death. They're awesome. Come on, let's give, let's give another applause, man. Yeah. Pastor Brandon, and Pastor Ada, man, I love them so much. They're such a a carrier of God's presence, they are men and women of God, and, we, and not only them, but I get, to, I get to do life with amazing pastors, Pastor Ken, Pastor Tina, Pastor Josh, and Pastor Joshua, and Pastor Mike, and all. The, and I can go down the list, man, but man, I love our team, and I get to run with them, and it's been such a pleasure, it's been such a pleasure. So today, I'm excited to talk about worship. I'm excited about this topic, because worship is what we were created for. Worship is who we are. And before, I, I just want to mention that there, there are things to celebrate. And we celebrate with something good that's been happening. And I want to let you know that Arise, here in this church, we believe in prayer. We believe in seeking God's presence. And I love that. You know, and, and one of the ministries at our church, the, the, the worship team, we put together an event called the Loft Session. Arise, Loft Sessions. If you ever hear of that coming up, Please attend. The last loft session that happened last month, there were moments where people experienced God in a way that transformed their lives. There were people who came in with heaviness and the spirit of God literally picked it up. There were people who literally felt God, Jesus, walk in the room. And these are people who are given accounts that are, that are mature. These are, these are people and, and, and everyone felt it like God is doing something, but not just in the loft sessions. God is doing something in our prayer meetings on Tuesday nights, and he's doing something in, in restoration room. Guys, I don't want you to miss it. It's, it's so much. It's a joy to be in a place where God's presence is there, is present. Amen. That's the environment we were created for. It's to be in his environment, his presence. So I just wanted to give God glory for the, for the accounts, the testimonies that have happened in our events and the events that we're putting together. Don't miss it. I'm telling you. It's going to be awesome. So, there are organisms that can only live or survive in environments that they were created for. There are things that will die if it's not in its appropriate environment. Let me give you an example. The the first obvious example is fish, right? We know that fish cannot breathe outside of water. You take a fish outside of water, it will die. Now, I was planning to put a table here with with a tank and I was planning to take out a fish and give you an actual example. But um, I realized that <laughs> I really love you guys. I want you guys to love me too. So I'm not a, I'm not a fish killer, all right? And, and public, you know, whatever. But fish cannot survive outside of water. It's not the environment they were meant for. You know, and then let's go to polar bears, right? We think of polar bears, we think of Coca-Cola. No, I'm kidding. We think of polar bears, we think of be- uh, polar bears that, have to, that cannot survive, and, and you, you won't find a polar bear in the desert. If you're looking for one in the desert, you're going to spend your life, you're going to die in the desert looking for a polar bear, because he will not be there, okay? Let's look at scorpions for just a moment. Man, scorpions are found living where there are large amounts of soil and sand, so primarily they're in the deserts, right? But you will find them in forests. You will find them in North Carolina. You will find them even in here where there's large amounts of soil. Now let's go to the next one. Manatees. <laughs> Met, and, see, and this next one hits home for me. So I'm going to spend a little bit, little bit of time here for manatees. Is, is that all right with you? Is that all right? All right. <laughs> so manatees, their environment is freshwater, shallow water. They cannot survive in any other body of water. You won't see them in the middle of the Gulf. You won't see them in the middle of the Atlantic. Manatees can only survive in fresh water. And so what's interesting is one year my family and I, we went to vacation and we love Anna Marie Island. How how many of you guys love the beach? Yeah, it's so great. And so we we were there and we were enjoying ourselves and I had my daughter Jolie in my hands and we were in the water. Now, I'm facing, I'm holding her, right? We're enjoying the waves, right? We're going up and down, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm just having fun with it. And, and I'm looking at the shore, so my back is facing the gulf, right? So I don't see anything behind me. So I'm there, and I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying myself. And this is like, yeah, we're having fun, and we're laughing and joking, and, and salt is going in our eyes and burning, but hey, whatever, right? We're having fun. And, and then suddenly, as I was standing there in the water, something... Literally swam right next to me, scraped its body on my leg. Okay? Now mind you, you know like, come on. I, I mean I, I, I freak out when when there's a leaf or a plant that's floating in the air. I'm like, whoa, oh, I'm like, hey. I'm like, I don't want a jellyfish or anything, but something big, something huge rushed, and then it cut my leg as it as it as it rubbed against my leg. So then I see blood. So then now obviously I am exaggerating. The experience to the fullest degree. I'm like, there's a shark, you know. There's this. Oh my! I'm like, and then I'm like, oh my gosh, I haven't, I haven't written a will. I don't even know who's gonna take what. I'm like, who's gonna raise my children? Like, you know, I'm freaking. I'm like, ah! And it's there, and it's just big. Like, and the water was clear, so all you saw was this huge, like, this huge shadow. I seriously, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking the worst, right, man? This is a great, this is a great white, like. I'm freaking out, so I am making the biggest scene that a 35-year-old man can make on a shore. I'm like, shark! Oh my God, and then I'm screaming, and, and this thing is there, right, and it's just there, and I'm like, so I'm, everything is passionate. through. I have my daughter in my hands. I want to throw her over the object, <laughs> right? So I'm there, I'm like, baby, trust me, okay, trust me. And I'm like, you know, I'm like, wait, it's too far. And then, and then they think I'm joking around. They're looking at me, ha, I'm like, no, look at this. You know, there was this huge thing. And, and so I'm like, I don't know what to do. I can't throw Jolie. So I did what any other person would do. I literally stepped on that manatee like this. <laughs> I hope I don't get in trouble for this, by the way. The manatee survived, trust me. I stepped over the manatee. I jumped over it. And I'm like, like literally like and it, it's like one of those nightmares right that you're stuck in like sand that you can't you know so you're like Aah! you know and then suddenly then I reach the shore and then of course I'm calling it jaws I'm calling it sharks you know I'm like I, I'm, I'm a survivor I'm a shark attack I'm a you know I'm like I'm like I'm using this right and I get back and I look at from far away I get to the shore everybody is like what's wrong with this man and I'm looking back and there's a there's a there's like four manatees that all came up on the water. I wasn't thinking, Oh, I wasn't thinking that when it happened. And then as I look at the manatees, I'm like, then, then it started to affect my self-esteem because I'm like, why would they approach me? I'm like, I know I got some meat on me, but I'm like, are you thinking I'm a lost cousin that you're trying to like, you know what I'm saying? That you're trying to like, you, you're trying to reunite with a lost cousin. I'm like, what in the world is going, I'm like, and then, of course, I'm bleeding on my leg. My wife is a witness. I'm bleeding, and, and man, it was, it's crazy. So, apparently, <laughs> manatees also survive in the shores of Anna Maria <laughs> Island. So, if, ever, if you ever see that, oh, man, it's crazy. So, so manatees, yeah, they, they survive in shallow waters. And then we have humanity, right? Humans were created to be an environment of, of oxygen and air, Humans cannot survive in space. It's impossible. Only with the right suit, only with the right things can you live in space. But naturally, humans cannot live in space. And then let, let's, let's talk about Florida weather for just a moment. I did not know what other picture to bring to you other than this sun that just doesn't go away in Florida. Right? I mean, this thing is beaming like... It, like the heat that that thing gives this state is such a uh, how, do, how do I describe this like it's it's one of those things where like if you were in a good mood and you had a good breakfast you woke up you go outside you are in an instant bad mood right like you're sweating getting to the car you're, there's a on your spinal back th- th- there's like a drop that's coming that's flowing down your back and you're like why this is just not the environment that I was created for <laughs> I, I ran out of room to add another picture but I want to say that there are some sports teams that cannot survive in the environment of winning but we're not we're not going to go there <laughs> the people that know me know like I'm not really into sports I mean like how how my team is I mean anyway but could it be that many of us have been living in an environment that we were never created for Could it be, that's the question that I want to challenge you with today. Could it be that we've been living in an environment that we were never meant to live in? In the natural sense, when we look at God's creations throughout the world, we see, I've given you some examples of, there are environments that they can live in and there are environments that they can survive in, but yet found in other environments, they will die. And I love this because we are a part of that creation. But in the spiritual sense Unlike a manatee, unlike a scorpion and unlike a bear and fish, we carry the presence of God with us. We are a creation that God designed in his likeness, who he put his presence inside of us. Right. And so I like to mention that today the environment of heaven is wherever God is. What makes heaven heaven is the fact that God is seated there and his presence is there. That's what makes heaven heaven. That's what makes heaven, heaven. And when we see heaven on earth, we mean that God's presence is coming to heaven from heaven to earth. God's presence is what makes heaven. And so we were created for this environment of heaven. We were created for, for, to be in his presence. This, this environment of heaven lies in his presence. We were created to be with him. From, from the beginning of time, be, Adam and Eve, Jesus, God himself, wanted to walk with us in the cool of the day. He designed the creation so that we can walk, speak, and live life with him. Right. Without him, there is no heaven. Without him, there is no heaven. So God didn't, desi- desire, God didn't desire the environment of heaven to be exclusive to heaven. Jesus prayed, your kingdom come, your will be done on as it is in so Jesus understood this heaven reality and he wanted to bring heaven to earth so that we can enjoy heaven here on earth heaven again being the presence of God heaven you know last week we talked about how John was taken up in the spirit and he saw an open door and I love this because this is how revelation 4 starts off that there's an open door in heaven so heaven has an open door policy Amen. Heaven has an open door policy. This doesn't mean that everyone gets in. Rather, anyone can get in. Anyone can get in. What is the condition? Jesus, through Jesus. Jesus is the door that is open. Jesus is the only way to heaven. You can't get there another way. You can't get there another route. It's Jesus. Jesus made a way for us to have direct access to heaven. And I love this because there is no other way he made a way for us amen Amen. so what brings us into this environment that we were created for what brings us into that revelation chapter 4 verses 8 through 11 says that each of the four living creatures had six wings and covered with eyes all around even under its wings day and night they never stopped saying holy 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 is the lord god almighty who was and is and is to come So you see, we were created for the environment of heaven where God is seated on the throne. This is the environment that we were created for. In this passage, we see that John sees God the Father sitting on the throne. He notices that God is the center of attention. God is the focus. God is in the center of everything that happens in heaven. And so so question, what has captured our attention? John saw God as the center of focus, as the center of attention in heaven. But what has captured our attention here today? Who have we given our full attention to lately? Who has our attention? You know, it's interesting to me that an article from the Apple World Today states that Americans spend five hours on their cell phones a day, five hours on a cell phone a day. Five hours is literally more than half a full-time job shift and literally more than a part-time shift. Like that is what you've done today. Five hours on the phone. According to small biz trends, Americans check their cell phones on an average of 160 times a day. 160 times a day, we're doing this. Okay, put it on. 160 times a day. That's the average. When I saw that... I begin to ask myself, man, if Americans spend an average of 100, if Americans look at their cell phones, 160, if they pick the, the cell phone up 160 times a day, man, how many times, if asked, how many times have we picked up the word of God? If this has become our source of life, we have it wrong. Right. If we can't find hope in here. All we're going to find is lies. We can't find hope in here. Our hope is in God and in God's word. This is where hope is found. And it's easy to take our attention off of God who is seated on the throne. It's easy to take our attention off that when we're 160 times a day looking at our phones. You see, I've noticed that whatever, whatever we give our attention to the most, that has our worship. Whatever we put our time to the most, that has our worship. And you're maybe sitting here like, Jason, you're, getting, you're being too hard, man. What are you talking about? I need this. I need my time in this. And I get it. There's a, there's, a, there's a value for that. But I'm telling you today, if that is all that you are putting your attention to, you have created a God and put him on a throne that where he should not sit on. This isn't about who's sitting on the far left. This isn't about who's sitting on the far right. It has to be about who's sitting in the center of your life. Who's sitting on the throne in the center. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. You see, God has to be the focus. In verse 8, we see that each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around. Six wings with eyes all around. Can you imagine this picture with eyes all around? And yet, not one eye was, is looking away. Every eye on their wings is pointed towards God in heaven. Their gaze was on God. Their attention was on God. Those eyes never, never take their, they never take their eyes off of God who is seated at the center. He is the focus. So what are we finding ourselves focusing on today? That's the question. What are we finding ourselves gazing on today? Have we lost our focus? Have we lost our gaze? Have we lost our passion? Have we lost, have we been, I, I just feel like some. I, with everything that's happening, it, everything is happening because the enemy wants to steal our gaze. He wants to steal our focus because the devil knows that if we are focusing on God as the center of our lives, the one who is, who is there, then he knows that he can have any, any, any effect in our lives. He is the focus. He needs to be the focus. So what has our gaze? When we define the word gaze, it's a steady, intent look. What are our eyes seeing? What are we looking and focusing on? You see, worship is what we give value for something. Worship is a lifestyle. It's something that we give value for. What we give our time to the most, what has our time, is what we value. And in essence, that's what we're worshiping. What we spend our money on the most is what we value. And in essence, that is worship. What we put our trust in the most. I said the T word. Trust. What we put our trust in the most. That is who we worship. If we're putting our trust in the president. That's the, he, he will fail us. If we put our trust in, in, in a doctor. He will fail us. If we put our trust someone else they will fail but if we put our trust in God and keep him at the center of our of our lives and he is our focus and he is who we're gazing on and he is who we're lifting our praises to let me tell you something right now he will change the course he will respond in a way. He is the God who knows the beginning to the end. He has the answer. His thoughts are higher. His ways are greater. Is there anybody else that can give us a greater outcome than God himself? <laughs> Worship is an expression of, our, of his worth to us. Worship actually means worth it's, it's the value that he has to us. It's not merely a song. You know, sometimes we reduce the meaning of worship to a mere experience of what happens here Sunday mornings. Sometimes we make the mistake. And you know what? I'm probably one of the reasons why. <laughs> because sometimes I stand there and, I open, and we open the service. Who's ready to worship today? And then your response is like, yes, I'm ready. And whenever I do that, I'm taking, I'm, I'm literally reducing the meaning of worship into a 30 or 25 minute worship set that happens here on Sunday mornings. And that's the problem is that it's more than a song. It's more than music. It's more. It's more. It's, it's a lifestyle. It's a, it's a relationship with God. We're going to touch on that in just a moment. The reality is that everybody worships. God created us with the ability to worship from the beginning of time. The question is, what are we worshiping? You see, all heavenly activity points to him who sits on the throne. Everything that's happening in heaven right now is pointing towards God. Everything that's happening in heaven is pointing towards God is the center of attention. It's kind of like when you install a TV in your house, right? Your couches should point to the TV. Okay? That's a rule. Okay, if you're if that's not happening, we got to talk after service. (laughs) Couches should point to the TV. If they're not, then we got to talk about that. (laughs) I'm kidding, but Jesus, God Himself is seated at the center, and everything is pointing towards Him. If we're not careful, we can easily begin to worship a false god. And let me give you some examples of some false gods. We can eat if we're not careful. We can easily begin to worship the god of entertainment. Why am I saying that? Well, if the majority of our time is spent on entertainment or, you know, things that are entertaining us and we're giving our time to it and we're giving our money to it, then guess what? That has become a God of entertainment and that God of entertainment is sitting on the throne and that God is demanding your worship and your time and your money. And I, I should rather say my time, my money, because sometimes we can fight with this God sometimes. The, and then if we're not easy, we can begin to worship the God of money. If we're putting our trust in money, if we're putting if money is what's motivating us for life and, and money is it, making money is the first thing in our minds. And I get it. There's value to that. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a big believer in investing. I'm a big believer in growing that. But if that has become our focus, if money has become where we put our trust in, we have put the God of money, the God of money in a throne in our lives. And he's demanding worship from us. He's demanding that time. And lastly, there's a God called myself, the God of myself. <laughs> and it's interesting because the God of myself can literally, completely help us lose sight of the throne. The God of myself is actually the God that Lucifer... How many you know that the devil, before he became Satan, he was an angel in heaven. Yes. And he, he dealt with this God of myself. And he thought of himself as higher than others and he thought of himself bigger and greater and pride settled in and then suddenly he gets booted out of heaven. But that was the God that he was facing. It's the God of myself. He, started, he began to worship in everything, his world, or his world, and you know, before I even say that, sometimes we let ourselves become a God in our, in our lives. And everything that happens in our life has to arrive around us. And everything is about us. It's my feelings. It's my comfort. It's my plan. It's my will. And that's when the God of myself sits on that throne. And the beauty about all this is that all those things will fade away. Money will fade away. Entertainment will fade away. Right? All those things are, they have an expiration date. But let me tell you who will never change i said come on let me tell you who will never change god is the god who never changes he's the god of the beginning and the end he knows your story more than anything else and anyone else and he will never change he will never change he has your will he's a sovereign god who knows all things and he's the god that we should worship he's the god that should remain at the center of our lives You see, we were created for the environment of heaven where heaven is on earth. Remember what I mentioned earlier that heaven isn't heaven unless God is in there. Because what makes heaven heaven is his presence. It's not the clouds. (laughs) It's not the harps. I'm kidding. I, I don't know what view you have of heaven, but it's not the streets of gold and it's not the diamonds, the jasper. That's not what makes heaven. What makes heaven is that God himself, his presence is there. And guess what? He offers that same you we we can take advantage of heaven now on earth because heaven is his presence amen as i mentioned earlier god didn't desire the environment of heaven to be exclusive to heaven listen to what jesus said the first half of his prayer matthew 6 9 10 it says this then is how you should pray our father in heaven hallowed be thy name your kingdom come your will be done on on as it is in heaven this is jesus this is jesus Jesus is teaching us how to pray jesus understood this reality of heaven say hey god doesn't only abide in heaven god actually comes down to earth and when god comes down to earth everything changes it is impossible for 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 change to remain uh together when god's presence is present it's impossible for, for things to not happen. Something has to change. It is in God's nature alone to heal, to set free, and to deliver. And I love this because Jesus models this environment of heaven while on earth. Jesus performed many healings. Jesus performed many deliverances while he was on earth. And some of you may think, well, yeah, obviously he's Jesus, right? <laughs> so, so he, he must... He must, you know, the healings and the deliverances and all that resurrecting from the dead, all that stuff. Yeah, of course, he's Jesus. No, that's not that. I believe that Jesus in his humanity, understanding, being aware that heaven was around him, that he was in an environment of God's presence, was able to heal, was able to resurrect. It is the presence of God. It just, it, that is the goal. That is our goal. Is the presence of God. I love our core values here. One of them is the presence, how we value the presence. It's the most important thing, period. God's presence is the, the most important thing. It's not program. It's not lighting. It's not fog. It's not, it's not this building. It's His presence. That is heaven jesus and then after doing all that jesus resurrects the dead right and jesus then he walks on water are you kidding me like if i had that power i would have bypassed that manatee that was attacking me in the water (laughs) right i would have been like hold on wait a second i would have started running on the waves like i like (laughs) jesus walks on water resurrects the dead does all these things because he is aware of the environment of heaven that he was created for he was purposed for and then after all of that, and you know the story, he dies and he takes our sins to the cross and, and, he, and, and, and he resurrected on the third day. And then yet he said, greater things you will do. Yeah, greater. Th- Why would Jesus say that? This is Jesus, the son of God, the promised Messiah. He was the fulfillment of every prophecy in the Old Testament. He came down and he said, hey, Pastor Ken, you will do greater things than me. <laughs> you know I, mean? I mean, this is insane. Why did he say that? Because he knew. He knew that if our eyes were on God on the throne, he knew that if we desire to be in the environment that we were created for, anything is possible. Anything is possible. That's where the impossible becomes possible. That's where the laws of science are broken. It's, it's, It's where the current status of the economy is no longer relevant. We can be in the biggest recession that the world has ever made. We can be in the biggest depression and yet God is still the provider, and yet God's economy is different than this world's economy. And so I'm not gonna put my trust in a plan, and I'm not gonna put my trust in, a, in any other person but God, because it's his economy that I lean on. His, he, he has my focus. I have stories, there's stories of healings that I've seen where heaven comes to earth, where heaven, God's presence is, 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 is surrounding us. And I've heard stories, I've seen, I've, I've been in services, I've been in places where a man's hand literally grew, he, his arm was shorter about this, this difference, and as we prayed and declared healing, his hand, literally his arm stretched out, yeah. and they both became equal. Yeah, I've heard stories of, 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 of people taking their glasses off. Because when they put their normal daily glasses on, everything was blurry. When they took them off, they saw better. They were like 20-20 vision. I've heard stories of root canals that were filled in and cavities that were filled in. Come on, is she here today? Huh? Yeah, yes, come on. Yeah, I've heard stories... Of, of, of God healing arthritis where joints were beginning to pop into place there was moments in worship in, in the past where we've heard stories where where people's backs were being realigned and they started to crack and pop while worshiping God this is heaven on earth this is the environment we were created for we were created for that environment that John saw in heaven where anything is possible and I believe that those days are here today I said i believe those days are here today those are not days that we saw when we were younger those days are here today and i'm here to remind you that you were created for an environment of the impossible you were created for the environment of anything can happen of laws that can be broken because god is a god and he has the answer he has the answer he is the cure he is the cure to your sickness he is the answer to your problem He is the God. All we have to do is fix our gaze on him. Put him back in the center, and you'll see how heaven invades your home. Amen? Amen. See, God's presence is heaven on earth, and it is the environment we were created for. Jesus died so that we can be carriers of his presence. Jesus died so that we can be carriers. Jesus, after hanging out with the disciples, after taking the disciples out for for dinner, you know, to glory days. I like glory days, so I'm just going to use that, right? (laughs) So 40 days of glory day. No, I'm kidding. After hanging out with disciples, he says, hey, I must go for there is one coming after me. And then he sends the Holy Spirit and the Spirit of God is the presence of God. It's the heaven on earth reality. And I love that. The veil was torn and then God began to dwell in us. God himself put his spirit in us. He put heaven inside of us to dwell in man and not in temples. That's why as much as I love this building, this is not the only place that God is in. Sometimes we, we confuse that and, and we think that this place is, 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 is a, you know, I don't know what <laughs> word should I use. <laughs> like sometimes, you know, we think that this place is, this is not the focus. The presence of God is living. You have his presence. You take him back to home you take him to the grocery stores and you believe I guarantee you when we begin to live in that type of lifestyle where we understand that his presence is not only in the building but it's inside of this temple we're gonna see things shift in this city come on we're gonna see things shift in this city verse 9 says whenever the living creatures give glory and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever? The twenty-four elders fall down before him who sits on the throne, and who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, "You are worthy, O Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being." Isn't this amazing? This is the model of our of how our lives on earth should look like on a daily basis. It's not just what we show up for church on Sunday. This is how our lives should model. We should constantly give him glory for everything. We should constantly be thankful for what he has done. You and I have history with God. You know, sometimes Israel forgot their history with God, and that's why they leaned on other idols that provided them nothing. (laughs) But if they were to remember the the miracles that God have done, man, my goodness, the story would have changed significantly. But sometimes we forget the history we have with God. We forget the moments where he provided when, you, when there was no other way. He reminds you of, 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 sometimes we forget the stories of the checks that come in through the mail. Where, where, where one of your car insurance or, or something crazy says, hey, sir, you overpaid. We just received one last week. Sorry to share our personal uh, information. <laughs> hey, hey, look, I'm going to give glory. I'm going to testify in his goodness. God sent us an 80, What is it, $81 check. Come on, those those are the best $81 I've ever received. Because they came unexpectedly, amen? You see, this is what it's about. God is so good, he's so faithful. You see, worship is our response. That's what worship is, it's our response. And this is why it's important we understand that worship needs to become a lifestyle. Worship has to be what we live for. What do I mean by worship? If you're a mechanic right? Your drill or your wrench is your instrument of worship. If you're a dentist here today, the tools, the, 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 the scary tools that, are, that make scary sounds in your dentist's office, that is your instrument of worship. If you're a stay-at-home mother and you're providing education for your kids, that is your display, an expression of worship. As long as you submit those things to God, th- they, those things become worship unto him. Worship is not about music. It's not about singing. It is not. Trust me. It's not about singing. It's not about music. When, you know, you don't have to sing and play to display worship. Worship is who you are. It's a lifestyle. So everything you do, your, type, your, your computer in a cubicle, the, your typewriter with a mouse, that can be your instruments of worship. If you submit your, dur- your job to God, that becomes your instrument of worship. Worship is a lifestyle. It's who we are. Come on, let's not reduce the meaning of worship to what happens here on Sundays. Yeah, on. It's who we are. I love, I love this. You know, First of all, I love this church. I love you, 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 I love you guys. You guys make up this church, so that's why I love this church so much. <laughs> I love this church so much. I love, and, and one thing I love is that we hear stories. And not, not only do I hear, I experience this. Have you ever walked into a place where you're like, oh, I feel like I'm home. Have 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 you ever have you ever had that before? It feels like home, doesn't it? Yeah. And in, and 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 that happens wherever the environment of heaven is. Yeah. And there are many churches in this area that have that environment. I'm not saying we're the only one, but you feel like home not because the walls are painted the same color as your living room. You you feel at home not because you have three big screens like this. And if you do have three screens like this, you gotta invite me over, okay? <laughs> because I want to watch three movies in three different languages at the same time to see how it contradicts itself. <laughs> I love movies, and yeah, this will be amazing. Anyway, back to, back to what I was trying to say. What makes this place feel like home isn't because we share the same lighting as you at home. What makes this place is because his presence is dwelling amongst us, and it's that environment that we were created for. So guess what? If, if it feels like home, then that's a flag. That's a, something to think about. And that's like, wait a minute. I, I, I mean, this feels like home. And it's like, oh, and then, and then you just get ruined in a good way by his presence. You're like, oh, God, this is what I was created for right here. Oh, man, why do I feel so much hope right now? Why do I feel that the heaviness I carried for the whole week is suddenly gone? And it's because the presence of God is what changes things. I love it, I love it, love it, love it. And this is happening because Psalms 23.3 says, but you are holy enthroned in the praises of of, of Israel. But you are holy enthroned on the praise of Israel. This is talking about God. What God does is when you praise and when you shout... And when you praise God before the breakthrough, when you praise God in anticipation for the breakthrough, and you lift his name, some, there's an exchange that happens. There's a cause and effect. When we lift up our praise to God, right, the Bible says that he is enthroned in those praises. That means he sets his throne amongst us. That mean, we, I mean, do you understand what that means? That means that what John saw in chapter four of Revelation actually comes down to earth. And then we are surrounded by angels and we're surrounded by his presence. That happens when you lift up a praise to God. And so when you enter a place like this, and there's many other places like this, but when you enter a place where the presence of God is the forefront, is the center, and you begin to lift a praise, man, he touches you. He releases his glory on you. Can you give a shout of praise for that for just a moment? I love that. Could it be that the reason why this nation may be facing the issues that are being faced today is because we went from one God, one nation under God, to now a divided nation under another influence? Could it be that God, that no longer is he sitting on the throne, he's been pushed aside and some other influence is there? Some of the demonic influence that that is causing things. Could it be? And this isn't about a man, and this isn't about a party. This is about who is overshadowing us. When we dwell with God daily in in our place of secret, his presence will forever overshadow us. Why is this important? Why is this important? You know, we see the story of Peter. And Peter was one who demonstrated... There's a lot of examples in the bible but we don't have time to go through them but peter was one who demonstrated this heaven on earth reality this heaven on earth reality where god's presence walked wherever he walked and the bible says that peter when he walked his shadow would heal all those that were in need actually they would bring people to the road and as peter walked his shadow he didn't have to lay hands on them he didn't have to do anything he walked and his shadow healed those who were in need you see, when we dwell with God and we spend time with Him, and Psalms 91 said, when we spend time with Him, then, the, then heaven follows us. Then heaven goes where we go. Psalms 91 1 says, that he who dwells in the secret place of Most High shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty. He who dwells, he who dwells. Why is this whole shadow concept important? Why is this important for me to mention? Well, I'll tell you why. Because your shadow will always release what overshadows you. That is why it's important that his presence, that heaven is overshadowing us. Because that's, that's the shadow that we're going to release when we go to work. That's the shadow that we're going to release when we come to church. Yeah. David himself brought an environment of heaven as he played the harp for the king. He had a relationship with God in secret. When no one was watching, David wasn't playing his harp with the phone set up and be like, hey guys, look, check this out, I'm, you know, I'm doing this whole harp thing, and I'm also killing bears, yeah, see, like he's not doing that, he was in secret, he was worshiping God in secret, he brought the reality of heaven wherever he played, the king himself was tormented by, by, by demons, and David would play, and suddenly he would get set free, why is that, because David walked in that environment he was created for, he brought God's presence wherever he was, And so we were created for the environment of heaven where we are in direct relationship with God. You see, in order for us to live in an environment of heaven where God is seated on the throne and where heaven is on earth, we must be in relationship with God. This isn't a religious thing. This isn't, hey, I'm going to check off the list Sunday, church, check, and then live however way. No, this has to be a relationship. It's interesting that, that it's, it's, it's amazing that he views his people, the church, as the bride. Yep. And then that takes me to a marriage. And if I ask my wife now, if, 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 if I were to just see her on Sundays and then disappear Monday through Saturday, I wonder how she would feel like. I mean, her world would be a disaster. No, I'm kidding. I'm <laughs> I'm just joking. I need her. <laughs> More, like, but like, you, you know what I'm trying to say? Like, it's a relationship. It's a daily walk with, with the person who's sitting on the throne in a relationship with God himself. Relationship is our call for worship. It's our call to worship. Sorry. Relationship is our call to worship. That's how we, that's where, that's what worship lies. It's, it's, it's a daily, it's a daily seeking. We should never, again, I repeat, we should never, never reduce worship down to something that happens here on Sunday mornings when the music starts. Because even Jesus said, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm looking for worshipers that worship me in spirit and in truth. In spirit means that it's a spiritual activity. It has to involve your spirit with the spirit of God. There has to be, there has to be a, a, a daily just uh, a supplementing, just daily feeding of his word, of his spirit. And then the truth part means nothing hidden. That's what that word means in that passage. Nothing hidden. It's where we go before the Lord and we say, hey, here's the good, here's the bad, and here's the ugly. You know, and and, and it's okay. I've talked to somebody recently that said that they approach God and they're like, God, I'm waiting for this miracle. Like, where are you? Where are you at? You know what I'm saying? It's okay to be like that. That's what God is seeking. Nothing hidden. Give Him all. And He would just surround you with His presence and glory. Worship is something that you are, it's not something you do, it's something you are. Worship must be personal, worship has to be personal it's a personal relationship and you know I'm gonna read something this can be the most tragic places it it, it could be it could be in the Bible where something something went wrong and I'm just gonna I'm gonna read it here Exodus 19 5 to 6 before I read it God Moses God uses Moses to take his people from Egypt and to put and and take them to the promised land we know the story right? And so Moses is in the desert. God is doing mighty things. Moses jumps on the mountain and is meeting with God directly, and this is what he says. This is what God tells him. Now then, this is Exodus 19, 5 and 6. Now then, if you indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be my own possession. Somebody say, own possession. Own possession. Among all the peoples, for the all the earth is mine, and you shall and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests a kingdom of priests, kingdom of priests and a holy nation these are the words that you shall speak to the sons of Israel so i can imagine moses like yes this is good like look at this invitation like god is wanting you to be his own possession he wants you to be his priest and then at first the people were okay with that but then look at the people's response in the next chapter Chapter 20, verses 18 and 21. All the people perceived the thunder and the lightning flashes. Does that sound like something to you? Thunder and lightning flashes? That's something that John described heaven, what's happening in the throne room, right? And the sound of the trumpet and the mountains smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled and stood at a distance. Say, stood at a distance. Then they said to Moses, speak to us yourself and we will be and we will listen. But let not God speak to us or we will die. Moses said to the people, do not be afraid, for God has come in order to test you, and in order that the fear of him may remain in you, so that you may not sin, and, li- and listen to this last verse, so the people stood at a distance, say, "Sit at a distance, while Moses approached the thick cloud where God was, you see, Moses goes up on the mountain, and, and then God says, hey, tell the people that if you obey me, and that you will be to me my own possession, do you know what that means, do you know what it is to be God's own possession, Like, what an amazing, what an amazing honor. And then he said, there will be to me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. You see, God wasn't satisfied of only having a relationship with Moses. He wanted the whole nation. He wanted the whole nation to, to, to have this mountain experience. He wanted the whole nation to come to him and to serve him and to be in relationship with. It was never God's intention to have, I believe, I like to suggest this. That it wasn't, it wasn't in his plans to have a Levitical tribe that worshipped him in an expression of singing and, and everything like that and then 11 other tribes that worked. I really don't believe that. I believe he wanted a, and he said it himself, he said, I want them to be a kingdom of priests, a king, a whole kingdom of priests, not a select few, a whole kingdom of priests. It was his intention to have a whole kingdom of priests, to be called his personal possession because he wanted everyone to experience him. The people were afraid. The people were intimidated by the lightning, by the flashes. So they, so they said, you know what, Moses, why don't you have a relationship with God and then you tell me what, you, what we need to do and we will do. So you have a relationship and let me know what I need to do. And so think about this for just a moment. God is saying, God, in other words, is saying, God, God is saying to them, I want you to be. But then the people responded with, no, we would rather do. Wow. <sighs> are you kidding me? The people are like, no, we rather do. Yeah, we're not interested in the being part because we're too afraid. God is like, I want you to be. The people responded, no, I would rather do. So then later, God responds by giving them a list of rules that, so that they realize that without the B, they can't do. And what's interesting is that it's not just 10 commandments. We're talking about 217 laws that he gave. And then God said, hey, in other words, keep these laws, and then you have a relationship with me. So now you'll have a relationship with me by following these laws. I, I, I want a direct relationship you wanted to do. I wanted you to be. He's interested in a relationship with you, a direct relationship with you. This is why we shouldn't rely on any pastor to be a third party commu- a person you know like like oh hey on behalf of God I'm you know it's like there's God wants you directly you don't need to- God wants you, yes, pastors and, 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 and we, we hear the voice of God, we deliver message and, and yes, we continue to honor leadership as God is saying, but God wants you direct, he wants to give you revelation. He wants you to have heavenly experiences. He wants you to have holy, holy, holy experiences on earth, right? He wants your living room to be the throne room of God. He wants your living room to be your a throne room of God, a throne room of heaven. And Look what happens when we search for other people to have relations with God and not ourselves. The Bible says that Israel began to create idols. Why did they begin to create idols? Because they got desperate. Because their trust was in a man and not in a God who sits on the throne. And so they began to develop idols. And then they pulled people in. Hey, let's serve this idol. You see, God is the God seated on the throne. And every other idol cannot speak every other idol cannot breathe every other idol cannot move but there's a god in heaven who is the true god and, and he is extending a relationship with us a personal relationship with us and then in first peter second nine listen to what the word says this is in the new testament this is through jesus this is what happens this is why jesus came it says first peter second nine but you are say you are, you are. a chosen people a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Doesn't that term sound familiar? Isn't that what God intended when he told Moses? He said, this is what I want for my people, right? And then God gives, again, Israel a whole bunch of lists of rules, and guess what? The rules weren't even enough. Because Isaiah, hundreds of years later, said, there is none righteous, not one. So the rules is not going to get you. It's not what you do. It's knowing who you are in God, and Christ. Notice that he says, you are. And in Exodus, he said, you shall be. But here in New Testament, he says, you are. You are his possession through Jesus. Amen. He is the only way. He is the only way. Through Jesus, God the Father seated us in the environment we were created for. That environment is called heaven, where God is seated on the throne, where he's the center of our attention, where where heaven is on earth and where we are in direct relationship with God. Ephesians 2, 6 says that God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms. This is who you are. This is what he wanted from the beginning. And through Christ, we are seated next to the father. Do you understand that? Like we are seated in next to the father. When the father looks at Jesus, he's looking right at you. He sees you. And this is where you're seated. That's why the phrase like the enemy is under our feet, right? That is definitely a true fact because it's a matter of perspective, right? If the enemy is under our feet, he, the enemy is on our feet because we are seated in high places with God. And we have the authority. God's given us that authority. But it's all about His presence. It's all about this environment. And lastly, I want to end with with this. I've seen an example, a personal example, of of one person in my life, or, uh, I mean, multiple people. But my father today marks 18 years that my father passed away. Today, we... We remember him today, it 18 years ago when he passed away. And, and man, I can't talk about living in an environment of heaven. I can't talk about living in the environment of God's presence without mentioning my father. My father was one who modeled what it was to be a man who lived in the environment of heaven. He, he understood what heaven is. He understood that heaven is where God's presence is. You know, I remember waking up. I would wake up in the middle of the night. I would go get a drink of water and uh, I would open the refrigerator and the light of the refrigerator would light up the room, the, the living room where the kitchen was. And I remember seeing a man who was kneeling down at three in the morning. Four in the morning, a man that worked 18 hours a day, and he modeled what it is. He modeled what it is to put a priority on on prayer and put a priority on this lifestyle that I'm trying to talk to you about today. And although I'm still developing and although I haven't made it and we're always developing, we're always growing, but I believe a big part of my heart today is because that man showed me. That man showed me, this man would, it would be a Sunday dressed like this. He would wear a suit, and he was one of the deacons. I mean, this, 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 he was a part of the choir. He was so, I miss him so much. And uh, there were families whose car got stuck. And he was a mecha- I, I, I'm leaving a lot of details out, but he was a mechanic, and he's an aviation mechanic. He's a very smart, brilliant man, and he knew how to fix cars. And, and so it would be a hot summer day in Florida. And after church, he would, with his, with his jacket, he would take his jacket off and he would lay his jacket on the dirt floor underneath someone's car after service on a Sunday afternoon and he would fix that car so that that family can make it home. This is a man who understood that it was more than just going to church. He understood the priority that, the priority was God and he was God who was seated in the throne and I've seen man our family was blessed because I believe because of the example then not only him but my mother who's sitting there in the corner the examples that they made who love God who put a priority on God's presence who wasn't about the show it wasn't about the program it wasn't about who has this who doesn't have what it's about God's presence and so you may be sitting here today you may be sitting here this morning reflecting on what God is saying and, 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 and you know that God's been talking to you personally and your response is you may be sitting there and you're saying, Jason, that's me. I feel like I've been living in an environment that I was never created or meant for. An environment of striving. and It's been an environment of trying to do things with my own efforts. And You're, you're there. You're, this is your response to today's messages. And you're saying, that's me. I've been one. I've been one. And so I'm, 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 I'm challenging you today to make this step today. This is not about an environment of striving. It's an environment of God's love. The environment of, of God, the environment of heaven is God's presence. And that is where you find love. And that is where you find rest. And that is where you find healing. So I have good news for those. If you're sitting here today, and if we can all stand for just a moment. Thank you so much. You might be sitting here today saying those things. This is your response. And if you're here today, and you have not received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. If you haven't made the commitment, if you haven't taken that step, man, there's no rush. We're waiting for you today. If this is you, if you feel like this has been your response, and you're like, I'm tired of living in other environments. I'm tired of putting other gods on thrones that that they don't need to be in. I'm tired of relying and trusting in things that will fade away. I'm tired of this addiction. I'm tired of this depression. I'm tired of this sickness. I need to be in an environment that I was created for. If that is you today, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Raise your hand high so we can see today. Thank you. I see your hand. Praise God. Raise your hand if that's you. God is here today. The environment of heaven is literally here amongst us today. And if you raise your hand today, repeat this prayer after me. Say, Father in heaven, I come before you in Jesus' name. I confess to you today that I am a sinner, that I have sinned. And I have put other gods on thrones in my life. But today, Jesus, I declare with my mouth that you are the Son of God. And that you are the Son of God who died and rose on the third day. And Jesus, so I ask you to come and enter my heart. Jesus, come and save me from everything that I've carried. Father in heaven, come and sit in the center where you belong. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, can someone celebrate what God's doing today? And so for just just another several minutes, I want to put application to what we've been talking about. If we really truly believe that heaven is the environment of God's presence and that he abides in the praise of his people can we all do something without moving without shifting just just for two two more minutes we can close our eyes and lift up our praise to god let him know how good he is let him know how good he is before the breakthrough let him know that he is worthy of your praise you see when we lift up a praise heaven comes down and when heaven comes down something has to change Something has to change. When heaven comes down, healing comes down. When heaven comes down, breakthrough comes down. When heaven comes down. Come on, somebody lift up a praise today. Hey guys, wasn't that such an amazing message? If you enjoyed it, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and to follow our podcast. Also, make sure to share this with your friends on social media and use the hashtag MyAriseChurch. For more information or to give to this ministry, go to myarisechurch.com. I hope to see you guys soon.